Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Thrivery Podcast, Mastering the Art of Thriving at Life, where we talk about creating change in our lives and in the world around us. I'm your host, JJ. This is my co-host, Gigi. Say hi, Gigi. Hi. And uh, we are going to today, today we're going to talk about um, the OODA loop, O-O-D-A loop, um, something that uh, Colonel Boyd, it, it, you should read about his life, very interesting, fascinating fellow, um, came up with, he was a fighter pilot, he was um, undefeated in in all his training uh, 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 runs when he was an instructor and everything, um, I think he had you know like a hundred or you know fifty or plus dogfights where he was where he was undefeated. And he developed this sort of concept, and and I think it's been around a lot longer than him, but he articulated it really well around the observe, orient, decide, act. And we can use this as coaches and as humans to help us sort of shape our our uh, you know how we're going to pick our habits, what we're going to do you know, when we're, when we're derailed um, and kind of give us that, set up those plans. And, uh, and then we're also going to talk about this really neat article about how our networks, our friends and the people we're around affect our behaviors and even our thoughts. Is it mind control? I don't know. Maybe it is. Are we being, <laughs> are we being controlled by other people around us? Is there, is there something we should, we should think about when this comes to, to our lives? Do you, are, is, there, is free will a real thing? Stay tuned. <laughs> um, um, so let me let me share this uh, this uh, graphic I've got here. This is the uh, the OODA loop graphic. Um, so you can see that, right? Um, yep. So for those of you guys who are listening to the podcast, um, it's basically a circle and <laughs> it's a loop. And at the top of it, you have observe and an arrow going you know, clockwise. So that's the first step in the OODA loop, the first O. And the idea is you need to observe kind of where you're at. And so this, this was originally kind of came to him when he was, when he was um, flying as a fighter pilot. And, you know, the idea is you need to observe where the ground is, you know, where you're, where the opponent is, you know, um, you know, what are the, you know, the, the conditions, you know, what's, what's your speed, what's their speed, um, that sort of thing. So you need to observe kind of, you need to know where you're at. And so you'll hear us talk a lot about it. In in um, uh, when it comes to habits and even in and change within ourselves, you got to know where you're at. There's no someone can hand you a map, but if you don't know where you are, the map is useless, right? And so I think this is where I think a lot of um, sort of recommendations we read on articles or or programs we may download online, if they don't take into account kind of your, where you're at, your starting point, they're not going to be as effective because ultimately, you know, to get from point A to point B, you got to know where point A is. Um, so in this case, you know, in this little graphic, again, check out the YouTube video and you can, you can see this graphic and I'm sure I'll be sharing this on social media. Um, but what is the situation? What is the real reason you want to change and how bad do you want to change? And so the idea is, is, is if you're trying to change some habit or behavior or trying to get to some goal, you need to understand, um, again, where you're at and what's the real reason? Like, not just like, I want to lose weight. You know, I want I, you know, why do you want to lose weight? Well, you know, I, I feel fat. Why do you feel fat? Well, you know, I don't like the way I look and I have all this fat on and you go down this path. I like to say the five whys, but you need to go down this path. And this, this tool is, is, is from an article I was writing for coaches. So if you guys were part of Thrivestry, you, you've already been sent this article. Um, someday I may make it public or part of another, you know, type of download type of thing. But uh, the idea is, is, is that you sit with your coach or you as a coach sit with a person and you get down to the real reason why. And the, the, the reason why that's so important is because the if the why isn't really, if you're real, if you're just kind of like, I don't know, I kind of want to just be skinnier and it's not really that important to you, um, that's going to dictate how much effort you're going to put into it. And so we might then make some small changes 
because you're not going to be really you're not going to be really excited about uh, about making these huge changes if there's no real motivation. But if you're you know if if, if it's life or death, you know, like if, if I don't ch make these changes, I'm going to die. Then obviously you're, it's we're going to be able to make bigger changes. Does that make sense, Gigi? It makes a lot of sense. Yeah. What do you think of this graphic? Is this graphic is good or better than yesterday or not as good? Um, because like happens, right? So, so last week's was, it was I hadn't seen it before, I guess, which was um, I really like the creative addition to play in the concept. If you didn't, if you didn't listen to last week's podcast, or if you don't know what we're talking about, please go and look it up because it was really good. But this is a, uh, um, this is not a new concept. This one. Um, but I'm just staring at it and I'm thinking about all the different times in our life where we would benefit from following through this process. Um, I think it's awesome. Yeah. 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 And I think the observe thing is something that we all, uh, forget to do because we're just going through our, our, our lives, our daily routines. And we get into these ruts or we get into these, these cycles where we're not really paying attention to where we're at. And so, you know, maybe we have been trying to make this change for weeks, months, or years, and you don't sit back and go like, I've been trying to do this for years, and it not, it's not working. Where, where am I wrong? Is it my starting point? Is it, you know, my next step? And so, you know, stepping back to observe is really important. And then uh, on, a, on a separate note, if you guys, if you guys listened a couple weeks ago, I think we were talking about triggers. And one of the, one of the funnier ones we were talking about, or, or, and then we also talked about, um, the uh, the power of groups and kind of having partners in crime when you do these things and we mentioned that my wife tried the vegan thing for a week and uh two two interesting things came out of that and that have continued on for the last few weeks and one is that she's just she said that i just realized i could eat a lot more vegetables like like you know because when she was vegan she had to get calories from vegetables and so there, she opened up kind of her 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 uh, vegetable vocabulary, if you will, and was just trying new things. And, and so that's one of the big ch changes that has sustained. And then the other one was, um, we got one of those, um, it's like a, you know, turn, it turns like zucchini and cucumbers into noodles. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. It's like the spiralizer thing. And it's like a, you stick the thing in <laughs> and then you crank the handle and it turns and, and they're actually really good. It's actually zucchini noodles are actually pretty, pretty, um, palatable. And, and, uh, they basically, instead of trying to do gluten-free noodles or trying to always do rice cauliflower, um, if you want something that's a little bit more, um, has a little more bulk to it and it's still super healthy with lots of um, fiber and uh, not a lot of carbs, something to hold all those uh, meat juices or sauces, um, then definitely get that. So those are two things that came out of that experience. And that's another kind of separate topic, but a lot of times when we, when we go down this little adventure, this little journey of trying and trying to change our habits or behaviors, you know, we may not, you know, be a completely different person at the end, but you might have picked up a few things along the way. And then the next time you might pick up a few things the next time. And then over time, those, all those small little tweaks and, you know, life hacks, if you will, will, will then create, you know, enormous change over time. So always be thinking about after you, you know, create some new routine and maybe it didn't quite work out, but what did you learn and, and how did you get better? And so that could be considered part of the observe, right? You just finished some cycle and now you're observing. Well, I observe that I, you know, I could eat more vegetables and how do I incorporate that into my life from now on? The, uh, the second, uh, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Can I add something to the observe piece? Like, um, one of the biggest challenges as a coach, so either like, you know, I coach business owners or a coach who coach 
clients or any of you out there that work in um, anything where you're really in a teaching position or something like that, a lot of the time getting your client to identify like that, like observation, like what is the situation and being able to like pull out some metrics and clearly define like what is the actual situation? I can't tell you how many times I've gotten on the phone with someone or gotten into a meeting with someone and they're just beside themselves because they've kind of let their emotions take over it. And when I force them to really take a step back and observe and analyze their situation so that they can actually define what is really happening here, most of the time it's not as bad as they think. And I think that just getting that frame of mind and 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 clearly defining the situation is so good for to set you up for the next like the next three steps in this loop um because if you're just like what is the situation will i want to lose weight it's like okay but how much do you want to lose it or like how do you want to lose inches do you want to feel better do you want to have more energy and like defining that stuff and i know that that leads directly into orient which is the next o um but i i guess the point is that when you take that step back and like actually observe it from the outside, you'll be able to really define it a lot better and it'll set you up for better success than just basing it on like, oh, I've got to change everything. I'm so frustrated. Well, you know? and, and that you're exactly right. I mean, I, it, I think most people, when it comes to a lot of the decisions in our life, they're just making snap decisions and it's usually from an, coming from an emotional, um, uh, an emotional base. And I think a lot of businesses are run this way. You know, like yeah. one week, two, two people happen to complain about something similar you know, whether it's like the music or like, you know, um, uh, you know, we're talking about in the gym specifically, or we're doing too much lifting or, or, um, you know, the schedule is not right. And you don't get a lot of feedback. So that all of a sudden that squeaky wheel, you start like panicking and like, okay, we're going to make all these changes or whatever. And it's like, we need to step back and observe what, where we're really at here. Is this really a problem? you know, and then, and then you can go through this loop instead of just doing this like knee jerk reaction. Um, in, in our daily lives, you know, it could be that, you know, um, uh, you know, we, you, you had a bad day and you ate a bunch of bad food that you weren't planning on and you feel like crap. So then, so then the next day you're going to come in and punish yourself and you're going to try to eat really clean. You're going to work out really hard. And, and it becomes this mentality of punishing yourself when you step back and observe and say like, well, that was just one day. And then the last three days before that, I was, I was really pretty good. You know, okay, so maybe tomorrow I'll just, you know, I'll just make sure that I eat a little bit cleaner and I stick to my training regimen because that, that, that cycle of, of self, of, of, of self-flagellation of like, I need to, I need to make up for it. I need to punish myself. It's really hard on yourself emotionally and mentally. And, and uh, it can also leads to this sort of overtraining and kind of, and then you end up swinging the pendulum the other way. And then, and then you end up, eating bad again and it becomes this really bad cycle. So having that step back 10,000 foot, 20,000 foot view um, is really important. So the Orient, the second O of the OODA loop is, um, is okay, so now you know kind of where you're at, but you need to orient where you are relative to where you wanna go. So, uh, you know, how far is it to this, is this, is this a really big goal? Is this a really long range thing? Is it, um, is it something that that uh, you've had in the past and you kind of have an idea of how to get there? Um, is it a complete change from from what you've been doing? It's, is it, are you going to be changing things that you've never doing things you've never attempted or thought about doing? Um, those are those tend to be the uh, kind of where we're at. We need to orient um, kind of the so we observe and we orient. We observe where what what the situation is and then we orient ourselves uh, 
kind of within that within that relative to the the ultimate goal and then the decide right just des, des, deciding is okay i need to decide on what to do right um, if you're a fighter pilot guys over there he's going this fast going that direction i'm over here going this fast going this direction what do i need to do what's what's going to be my decision and, I, and then i need to i need to make that decision and you know make the plan of what i'm going to do and then and then of course the next one's act you know so one of the important uh, points of this one is sort of um, what you know what's the path they're going to take you know sometimes you know the the goal is very clear and direct but the path may be have lots of setbacks and you might need to go about things in a very different way. Um, you know, so for somebody who's trying to exercise more um, because of their goal, they, they have this goal of, you know, doing some event or just, you know, being fitter and healthier, uh, but they just have a really busy life and they haven't really set their, set up their schedule to, to allow some space to kind of create more time for activity and training. Then the decision might not be, I'm just going to work out more. The decision might actually be well. Actually, before I do anything else, I need to start creating space so that I can so that I can work out, you know. And that's not a direct step towards your goal, but it's kind of clearing those obstacles or creating new routines that are going to help you achieve uh, some some progress toward your your ultimate goal. And I think that that like that example that you just gave is such a good incorporation of the orient and decide steps, right? Like you you might not include that you know to get from where you are to where you want to go means that you have to create this space and i always like to use that term creating space um, in a lot of different ways but you know it's it's easy to say i'm gonna go to the gym on monday right like that like a lot of people are like oh i need to lose weight i'm gonna go to the gym on monday i'm gonna start a diet on monday so they jump right to this decide phase without going through this entire process of like okay like can i go to the gym when I go to the, like, do I have running shoes? Do I have a gym membership? Do I enjoy my gym? Do I have music on my playlist? Like all of those roadblocks. Um, like when it talks about how you're going to handle challenges and setbacks, it's like, okay, how, where that has to do in my mind with like, where are you actually starting? Are you starting from a place where you don't enjoy it, where you have no one to hold you accountable, where you have no plan when you actually get there? All of that needs to be part of that deciding process right like and again we use this all like i just love this because um we i use this all the time in my business consulting when people are like i'm not making any money and i'm like okay so let's look at your numbers where are you today where do you want to be how much money do you want to be making like what are your goals and then we literally like i bring them through this exact process right what are your goals and then how are we going to get there and that will break down into literally like month by month, week by week, day by day, even hour by hour. How do you get from A to Z? Sometimes it's a six week plan, sometimes it's a six month plan, sometimes it's a six year plan. You know, and it all depends on setting yourself from where, you, defining where you are now, defining where you wanna be, and then this whole decide thing is how you're gonna get there. And I, I love this, I think that it's so straightforward and it's not reactionary at all. Yeah, yeah, it's proactive. And and like, you know, sometimes sometimes making that decision to do something like I don't I don't I'm not going to let anything stop me. I'm just going to go to the gym on Monday. That's fine, but just realize that you're putting off the real work of saying, okay, like going to the gym once on a Monday with no plan and, and no real routine set up around that isn't going to help you long term. You know, like like saying but but like saying, okay, I'm going to go to the gym on Monday and then and in the meantime, 
I'm going to figure out how I can make this a habit and, and what's going to be my routine. What are going to be, what's going to be my triggers and my steps to get to, to make sure that this happens on a regular basis. Cause doing one workout isn't really that beneficial. It's when you start stacking those up um, relatively close together for long periods of time that we see the benefits, you know, even, even training really hard for five years in a row and then taking a year off, even though you might have trained, you know, four days a week for five years without missing a day, you take a whole year off, you're, you're not going to be much better off than if you had spread that out over the six years or whatever. Um, and so, you know, consistency over time is really the key. Um, and so, so, so this is a, this is the time though to sit there and, and figure out, okay, what's a, what's a, a, the smallest incremental step we can make um, that, you know, that's relative to, you know, how bad you want it. And also um, what's the plan, right? So, so like, what's the plan when something goes wrong? You know, okay, I'm going to go to the gym every Monday at this time. Okay, well, what if you can't go to the gym on Monday? Okay, well, then I'm going to, I'm going to do something at home, or I'm going to make sure I go on Tuesday, or I'm going to, you know, um, try to work out on the day before, or, you know, there's all you have, you have to think of that stuff ahead of time. Um, if you try to just wait until the moment, and it just sort of falls apart, well, then it's like, okay, you know, no wonder why you failed, you don't have a good plan, you don't have a you don't have a good your decide um, part of this loop hasn't really been fleshed out like it should. But I will say that, like, yes, I agree with everything you said. But I think that if you sp you can, it's easy for people to get caught up in the decide phase, right? Because it's when you plan to do something, it psychologically has a lot of the same effect of actually doing the thing, right? So, like, if you're planning a trip. Right. It, it has we talked about this. Yeah. Yeah. We talked, we about, talked this. about this. I don't know if it's just you and I talked about this or if we actually recorded it in a podcast, but <laughs> that's why we started this podcast, isn't it? Just so that yeah. we could share our thoughts. Um, so if you're, you're planning the gym and you're thinking about all the stuff that could go wrong and you're spending weeks trying to overcome all of this and planning out the best plan, then what you've done is you've lost weeks of action. Right. So yeah, so so I think you just muted yourself, Gigi. Um, perfect, because I want to jump in anyway. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, so Sorry. yeah, I don't know if you heard me, but I said I wanted to talk anyway. So, um, so uh, uh, yes, we've 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 talked about this in the past. And your brain, remember, there's always sort of a, a way to think of your brain as two separate sort of uh, um, operating systems or two separate modes. One is the very uh, the the, the fa thinking fast brain and then there's the thinking slow brain. The thinking fast brain doesn't take a lot of energy to use. It, it is really good at taking in many, many different um, signals and information at the same time and making very good snap decisions or gut-based gut decisions. Um, but this sort of starts to dominate um, most of us because the using the real logical thought process part of our brain, it takes a lot more energy and it's not our default mode. And so the, the, uh, this loop is basically forcing you to, to, to sit down and think this stuff through, but there's a trick to it. Like you said, is, is sometimes when we've sit down and we order the workout gear and we, you know, put a, a appointment on our calendar of this is when I'm going to work out. And we, you know, we have all these plans. It almost tricks our brain into thinking that we did it. And so you have this sense of accomplishment and you feel like, all right, I got that, got that done. Check that off the list. But then you actually have to do the work. <laughs> so, it, <laughs> and it's really true. And it's really true in just your life. You know, like sometimes you get, there's all these, um, you know, efficiency and, and uh, you know, habit trackers or checklists and all these, all these apps and articles and videos around, you know, being more efficient with your work and your life. And you, you get caught up in sort of, 
reading all these things and, and doing all and doing all this organization, but you're not actually getting anything done. Right. Yeah. Yep, so that's exactly. a really, it's a really good point about the decide um, part of the part of the circle. Um, so then after you've made well, the decision, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, but it's the reason why it's a loop, right? So we're going to talk a little, you talk a little bit about the act thing. And then I kind of, I have a really good example of how to, like, why it's an actual loop, why it doesn't stop. It, there's no start and finish. It just goes around and around and around, right? Because life is always about just improving your average, you know? Um, and this is a really good model to do that. So, yeah, talk a yeah. little bit about that. Yeah. So act is the fun is the, is, is usually where we start the loop again. So we're going to, we, we follow the plans, the routines, we record progress is really important. Um, and then report back, have some accountability. So you can either be reporting to yourself, so review kind of your notes and everything, or you're sending it to somebody else and you're going to sit down and have a you know conversation around that could be a friend, could be some sort of coach. Um, but ultimately it's, it's that you actually have to do the stuff that you said you were going to do. And, and that tracking is really important because if, if it hasn't been working for the last few weeks and you haven't been tracking why you're just sort of like, well, I, I think it was because of this, but that may not be true. Right. Cause you could just have this thing in your head that makes you think that that was why it wasn't working, but it could actually be something completely different that, that if you looked, if you actually took notes, then, then you'd have a more realistic view so that when you do the observe orient decide again, you can, be more efficient or be, be more correct, be more efficient, right. On the next, the next round. Yep, exactly. So if you're going to, we'll stick with like the weight loss situation, right. Or the weight loss example. And again, life is always about improving your average. So you're allowed to make mistakes. You're allowed to improve your systems. You're allowed to fail and, and learn from it and move on. Right. And that, that's, I think what I'm, taking out of this the most. So like if you observe a problem and the problem is I want to lose weight and you're going to, you know, define that. Okay. How much do you want to lose? Why is it important to you? Do you care enough to, to do that? Um, and then you're going to orient yourself to where do you want to go? How far is the way? Which again, gets back to the definition, right? So say you want to lose 10 pounds. Okay. Just a normal thing. Um, the path that you're going to take. Well, I'm going to lose it by not eating sugar and going to the gym three times a week. Okay, cool. So then you start your act and then you are recording your progress and you're checking back and all that kind of stuff. And at the end of a month, you realize that you didn't actually stop eating sugar and you only went to the gym three times that month instead of three times in a week. And this is like, this is not an extreme example. This is the stuff that people go through every single day, right? And everyone has their own reasons, but the trick is to keep going, right? So you go to act and then you go back again to observe. Okay. So what is the situation? The situation is that I still want to lose 10 pounds. I've done this plan. It didn't work. What didn't work about it? It didn't work because the gym is an hour out of my way to go to whatever, right? Like it, it doesn't work with my schedule. I had too much stuff come up with my kids. Um, you know, I had to, finish all the junk food in my house before I could cut it out. Right. So yes. that's the, right. So then you're going back into the loop again. Right. So you, you didn't have success the first time, but it doesn't mean that you stop. It means that you keep going around that loop and keep going through that observe, orient, decide, act process and improve that average a little bit and learn those lessons every single time and eventually just build the best habits that actually work for you. 
Um, yeah. And, and, and I think, I think to, to your point, I think a lot of people will say, okay, I'm going to cut out sugar and go to the gym three times per week. And then they're at the end of a month or two, they're like, it didn't work. I must have a thyroid issue. It's genetic. It, the workout program didn't work. They start, people right. start like making yeah. up all these excuses or reasons or they, and it may not be totally uh, unfounded, but at the same time, if, without actually looking at what you really did, you're all well, actually, I only averaged like two times per week because I missed the whole week in the middle. And, and then I actually, I wasn't really reading labels. So I didn't realize that like spaghetti sauce is full of sugar and these other things have all this sugar that I wasn't really paying attention to. And I always ate whatever I wanted on Sundays. And it's like, okay, well, maybe, you know, the, the program might not have worked for you, but le now let's tweak it so that it can work for you on the next time. So we're going to, we observe how the last action, what, what its results were and, or somebody might, might've done it and, and had relatively good results, but then say like, I can't sustain this, you know, whatever we planned is just way too much work for me. And I know I'm not going to be able to keep this going. And so then again, sitting back and trying to figure out what works for your lifestyle and your tastes, you know, especially if you're working with somebody who kind of knows this sort of thing, like a coach, then they're going to be able to say, well, how about we try this instead? Or can we tweak this? Or, you know, we can work around just about anything. That's what I was going to say too, is that I think a lot of humans that are not in the fitness industry um, like I know we take for granted a lot of the time that we've been in the industry for so long and we forget that a lot, most people, 90%, 95% of people don't know what we know. So for you and I to go through this process and we kind of know like, okay, here's a trigger, here's a trigger, like here's where I fail. We can identify that stuff because we live and breathe this all the time. But for most people, they don't. And that's why a coach is so important to have, right? Yeah. Like having a coach, having that person in your corner they're basically going to bring you through this loop, right? And that's it. It's like, hey, you know, yeah. I didn't see your workouts recorded. Why didn't you do the workouts? Well, you know, my kid had the flu or we did this or we did this. Okay, great. So here's where we are. Here's what we're going to do. Like, I'm going to give you some at-home workouts. I'm going to give you one of my coaches. The best thing that he told me is that I used to, um, I used to, skip workouts when I didn't sleep, when I had had a newborn, right? So you're not always getting enough sleep. And for me, I, I don't like to work out unless I've had at least six hours of sleep, like weightlifting. I don't like to do weightlifting. Like I could go for a swim or a run or something, um, but I'm not going to lift weights unless I've had six hours of continuous sleep. It's just a safety thing. Um, and he said, he's like, okay, so on those nights, instead of working out, what are you doing? And I'm like, nothing. I just kind of dick around on my phone or like, I try to get into work, but I'm tired. And he's like, okay. So, so like the loop wasn't improving anything because all I was doing was not sleeping and not working out. And then, you know, usually ended up in taking too many calories that day or whatever. Right. So he's like, instead of working out the new decision based on all of the, the act and the orient and observe stuff, um, is to take a nap. So all those times, like, instead of working out, you're going to take that time and you're going to have a nap. And I was like, oh my God, that's fucking genius. <laughs> right? Like, I'm getting told to, to take a nap. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> He's making me into a nap person. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, um, this is another graphic I'm sharing for you guys uh, listening in, um, this, and this is, comes from the power of habit and the habit loop. And there's the trigger the routine and the reward. And one of the things that he did was he kind of took this, this, the sort of the OODA loop. Um, I don't know if he, he followed this. There's also something called the Cairo circle, which is something that I learned from like church stuff. And there's all these examples of this loop, this, this loop that we're talking about. But, uh, uh 
Um, so you go through your, what's your, what's the reminder to, to make you do it? Like I said, you're leaving work and you're driving to the gym. You know, you always go past the gym on the way home, you know, for whatever, you know, to make sure that you're getting your, your training in. And then what's the routine? The routine is I'm going to drive to the gym and, and do a class and then, but then, okay, there's a broken routine. So what went wrong? There's the observe, reflect, plan, act, I think is the words he used. So that would be observe, orient, decide, act, right? So, but what, what he was really adamant about in the book was the research that shows that if you just have these backup plans, like taking a nap instead or doing, you know, doing something else where, where at least you're doing something, right? Instead of, instead of just, just feeling like a failure or, or whatever, you know, like your, your, your reminder is, okay, when I come home, um, I'm not going to just automatically have a snack, you know? And so that's like the trigger. And then you're like, oh, I, I ended up eating a bunch of chips because they were on the counter and I was really hungry today. And then it's like, okay, well, what, what happens when you do that? Well, I'm also going to eat some protein to try to, to sort of blunt the insulin response and maybe, maybe not absorb those carbs as fast. And, and, and even though you're eating more food, um, you'll actually fill up a little faster because now you're eating some protein, maybe a little bit of fat too. And, and so that's like a, a, a good, you know, backup plan, you know, and then you can have a backup plan of the backup plan. Um, and so you want to observe, but you want to observe what went wrong. Well, why was I so hungry today? Well, I didn't need a good lunch and you know, the chips got left out. I shouldn't have those where I'm going to see them, you know? So my plan is going to be next time. I want to make sure i make these plans and then you go back into the act. Right. And then of course there is a reward part of the the original loop. So the reminder, the trigger, the routine, and then the reward, there should be some sort of reinforcement thing that, that you go through. Um, so that was just another, another graphic. The top, the top of this is just, it's just kind of like the, 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 it's a, it's an example of a mountain. And so you actually start at the top. What's the goal? What are the checkpoints for the goal? What are your weekly habits? What obstacles do you need to remove? And then, you know, then you start, then you actually start the, 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 OODA loop. So this is just another, another one of the tools we use with Rivestry to help coaches and people achieve their goals and create change in their lives and in the world around them. <laughs> so, so, um, so yeah, so if you guys, if you have more questions around this stuff, like I said, you can post up the comments or you can always message me, you know, JJ at thrivestry.com. Um, and then again, a lot of this stuff exists um, for the subscribers and, you know, on the Thrivestry site. Um, but if you're really interested in learning more about this stuff, um, I do plan on putting a lot of these things into a course um, that will that that you can get access to. So um, let's talk about this uh, this article, this really fascinating article that this one I found. Um, <laughs> um, how how your friends change your habits for better or for worse, and and it's really not just about your habits; it's about how you think in in, in everything that you do. Um, so they, they, um, this was just put out er, uh, earlier this week, uh, um, here in May and, uh, and it really is just kind of pulling together some different studies and examples, um, that, you know, how you, you know, you think your self-control and you think your decisions are all within you, but you, you really discredit the amount of, um, of how much influence the people around you have. And, you know, everyone thinks like, you know, oh, I would have acted differently in that scenario or, or whatever, but they don't realize that in the moment, especially when other people are acting a certain way, you tend to gravitate toward that. Um, I, I found it really, some of the examples really interesting. I know, Gigi, you were saying uh, about the likes. What were you saying about the, the, the social media likes? Oh, so I'm in Canada and we, they use Canada a lot of the time for test groups um, because we're like a nice, small, manageable population. <laughs> 
So Instagram has actually changed their algorithm up here um, so that when you like something, you can't, or when you're scrolling or whatever, it doesn't say how many people have liked it. So it's got the little heart and it will say like if one of your friends, so if, if it was something from Precision Nutrition and I'm scrolling through and I saw, it would say uh, Jeremy Jones and others have liked this as opposed to Jeremy Jones and, you know, 2,500,900,9,023 people have liked this, right? So, and, and that was the first example that came to mind when I was reading through this article is the practical applications of how like we're actually manipulating people through the likes and shares um, concept, right? So if you know how many, you know, millions or thousands of other people have liked something, you're probably more likely to like it yourself, right? Because you can tell that it's popular and you're like, yeah, I like this. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, whereas I think it creates more of a, an honest reflection of what people truly like without being able to see that total number. Yeah, I think it could be a step in the right direction because so many people get attached to that, you know, when they post something that they enjoy um, and they're constantly checking back to see how many likes and comments and shares it got or whatever. And I think that that can kind of take some of that out of it. They, you can still see it as you're on your own post if you go in there and you can look at it, but it's a little bit, a few more clicks, I guess. But, but, um, but again, it becomes less about like the popularity of the thing. Obviously, the algorithm is still paying attention to that, but, but, uh, but they're just not make, putting it in everyone else's face. So then you're, you know, people, you may not realize it, but you're more likely to hit like when there's when thousands of people have already hit like on it, you know? And so, so what, you know, what the, the study that they, that they did here was they had um, people coming through like a lunch line and they sort of put all these benefits up of, you know, these, this is the healthier options and it didn't change anyone's behavior. But when they actually listed, this is the most popular dish and it was like a vegetable dish, you know, the most people, you know, they, I think it was the exact number of people have already bought this, more people bought it. And then when they took that away, people still continue to buy that item after the fact, right? So we know that without input or just health input information didn't tickle that, that fast thinking brain. And, 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 uh, but the, uh, oh, a lot of other people like this, well, it must be good that I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to get that. Yeah. And you know, I thought that that was actually the only example or the only piece of the study that I didn't find had the same, I didn't think that the, it had the same sociological impact as the other ones, right? And when I was reading through it, I was like, I don't think that, I can see why they would have included this in the same report, um, but I don't think that it's the same mechanism uh, when we're talking about like why you do that. Because if you're at a restaurant or if you're in line for food or whatever, and you're trying to decide what to get, it's a pretty safe bet to get the thing that everybody else gets. Right, like it, it, it is, and that, and that's a more of a conscious decision making thing as opposed to, um, say, the example that they were talking about with the environment. And so this was a really super cool study. They had some university students um, that were in the room, and there was basically some other like older people that were in the room with them, and they were having a discussion about the environment. And if the university student had um, they planted an actor in with the group. And if the actor was dressed like an adult or, you know, an adult, <laughs> a professor or something, they were condescending on the environmental stuff, the student would stand up for the environment. But if the, if the actor was dressed as a student and had the same condescending attitude towards the environment, the student was more likely to side with the student, with one of their peers. 
as opposed to taking a stand up against someone who they didn't see as being in their social circle, right? So even though it wasn't a friend, it was still a stranger in both cases, um, they still like altered their reality a little bit to adjust. Yeah, yeah. So the specific right? study was in Humboldt and they, were, they had a video interview of somebody talking about why it's important to protect the environment and you should walk and use your bike as much as you can. And then in the video, they admitted to using a car you know, maybe more than they should. So it's a little bit hypocritical. And the, the, the different study groups, you had, you had another, you had a student watching the video, um, and then you had a, either the, the actor, who was uh, supposedly another, another person, another stranger, but they were actually an actor, was either wearing like school gear and is young and kind of like in the same social group as the, as the, the test subject. Um, if they, uh, you know, if they didn't say anything or they just sort of like, yeah, I, I kind of drive too and kind of admitted it, then the person's views on the environment, that was a social cue for them to maybe change their opinions of, of the, uh, of, of, you know, maybe I don't need to be as strict. If other people like me are doing this, then maybe I don't need to beat myself up as much, you know, and that sort of thing. But when it was somebody else who was clearly not a student in a completely different sort of social circle, if they kept quiet, the person still said, you know what, if that person's admitting it, then maybe I, maybe I don't need to try so hard. But if the person who was the outsider, you know, criticized and said, oh, what a hypocrite. That person says that they're all about the environment, all this stuff, but then they drive their car all the time. Well, then the, then the test subjects got very defensive and they actually went far stronger than the default of their own mode. They actually went into a much more defensive mode, um, defending these environmental values and just in sort of like, uh, um, playing down the, the, uh, uh, the hypocrisy that the person said. And so what's really fascinating about that is when we think about our social groups and you think about social media and things like that, that, that again, it tend, algorithms tend to show us things that we, that it thinks we like based upon our history. And so they create these echo chambers where people are all sort of following the same sort of political views or, or environmental views or whatever. And they're only seeing what other people like them or are saying commenting and they may not see the more moderate views or a close friend who has the opposing view you know that they like and they associate with but they don't feel the same that might change might make them think a little deeper or or be willing to admit that maybe they're not as that maybe their original thoughts weren't weren't as they don't feel with so much conviction but the social media tends to put those people in bubbles and that's kind of a lot of the division that we're seeing I think in social media and these in, in, in a lot of the, uh, um, the the stress that it causes yeah, yeah, and it, it's it's interesting. Like they called the phenomenon um, vicarious dissonance, and and basically the idea is that if you see someone who is like you, and they have slightly different views from you, but you you feel like you're like them, and you're going to subconsciously adjust your views so that you're more like them, right? And that's it's like a group mob mentality kind of thing, right? So. Um, the thing with social media is that if you see someone who doesn't have the same views as you, you just delete them, right? So you don't, you don't need to fight. You don't need to have that subconscious reaction. And like, you don't have to battle with like, you know, subconsciously am I friends with this person? We believe in such different things. Like you just, you just get rid of them. Right. Which is not necessarily a, a good thing because then you, you have all of this like selection bias in your circle. And you're not ever exposed to people with different thoughts or ideas from you, you know, um, which is, which I think is dangerous, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that the, the important takeaway from that is, is that, is that we, we, you are being impacted 
by like things like social media. But again, even within your, within your own social circles, you know, so if a lot of people at work are like celebrating, you know, getting totally hammered all the time and all this really bad behavior and not working out and they're, they're talking about it like it's positive, you may be trying to make a change, but there's that sort of stickiness or resistance you're getting from all the people around you. Another one I see a lot is in the home, right? When one spouse decides they want to make make changes health and fitness wise, you know, especially around diet. And then the other person is almost like purposely trying to derail them or, or even just kind of like making comments or, you know, that's going to change, you know, well, I guess I can this time have this, or I guess I am being kind of extreme because that person so close to them is doing that. Um, and this is why we see in the gyms, you know, when, when people start hanging out with each other and we build this community around, you know, putting in the work, the, the, the concept of not going too hard, right? Like it's not about killing yourself every single day. It's about showing up, you know, doing quality work and having a little bit of fun. When that becomes part of the culture that, and everybody's doing it, then you're more likely to do it because you're being affected by everybody else. But when the culture is like get the highest score you can on the leaderboard, try to beat everybody, show up every day. And there's all this sort of peer pressure around, around these, these, uh, um, you know, negative, negative things, then, you know, that becomes the culture. And, and it's really hard to break that when, you know, especially if you know that you're not supposed to be doing that. Um, I, I thought it was interesting too, when this whole, like, uh, you know, being attacked and kind of being criticized. And I think that was actually what happened a lot with sort of the growth of CrossFit was that a lot of people were attacking CrossFit. So the Globo gyms, the bodybuilders, the powerlifters, <laughs> everybody, the endurance people, everyone attacked CrossFit. Everyone, you know, we were all the heretics when we were doing this back in the early days. And, and, uh, and I think that really actually created almost even a more insulated bubble for the CrossFitters. And they, they became very aggressive about criticizing everybody else. And even instead of really looking at what people were saying or really kind of uh, using, again, their sort of slow thinking brain, then, then uh, they, they just sort of like went with a party line or just kept doing things the way, that, the way that they used to do it five or 10 years ago instead of analyzing, okay, well, maybe the programming, you know what, maybe we should have strength in a short Metcon and not just Metcon, 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 one strength, no, nothing else, Metcon, Metcon, you know. Instead of thinking about those things, they were just still sort of caught in this, you know, because they, their, their friends or other gyms were being attacked, they, they were becoming more and more um, uh, feverish around, around sort of, championing championing the party line um but the uh, the the cognitive or no it was, it was not cognitive dissonance, it was vicarious dissonance it was interesting they, they they researched um sun sunblock use in australia and and uh they they found that again when people were more yeah i don't i don't need to use sunblock and the more that people did that they kind of spread and less and less people would use sunblock and then the groups of people who were really more um, aggressive about always wearing sunblock then those people it spread through the group the group where everyone was more was more adamant about always having always having sunblock um, well the thing they mentioned too is they showed that like people talking like about the negatives of smoking or, or or like the negatives of drinking the next day would drink less even if they went to a bar so this effect lasts you know beyond just the initial conversations which I thought was 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 another one um, Oh, and then this last one I thought was really neat too, was uh, when eating with other people, um, uh, we tend to eat more, right? Because we're more focused on the other person than we are focused on, you know, what, you know, are we feeling full or how much have I eaten? And so that's kind of interesting because uh, you think about the class environment. And one of the benefits of, of working out together in a group is that, you know, if 
these other people are scaling, then it's okay for me to scale. I don't feel as bad when other people are doing it. Or when you're going hard and, and you know, you kind of want to, you just don't feel like it that day, but other people are showing up and they're putting in the work, you're more likely to put in the work, you know, whether it's pr doing hard in a Metcon or practicing a skill, you know, that sort of social pressure, that social validation is there when we, when we train in a group, but we don't have that when we're, when we're training by ourselves. Um, did you have anything you wanted to add to that, Gigi? No, um, I thought it was interesting. I, it, so it makes me wonder, you know, if we have all these effects on the people around us and we're being affected by them, are there people who are affected more by the people around them? And are there people that are affected less by the people around them? Right. And, and what is it? So it's almost like, a, almost like an integrity thing. Right. So if you define yourself and you know who you are, how, how hard is it to hang on to that? Even though your, your friends group or your social circle might be swayed a little bit. Right. So, um, and, and who are the ultimate leaders and how do you find those people? Because someone has to be the first person, right? Like there has to be someone around the world that says, I'm going to wear sunscreen. Sunscreen is important to me and that's what I'm going to do. It's not an infinite loop, right? So it kind of makes me wonder, like, and if you were to think about who you are within your social group or within the group of, you know, those five people that influence us or whatever they say. Yeah, you're the, average, you? you're the average of the five or 10 people closest to you. Um, yeah. I think that's somewhat true, but then, but then we end up with relationships and families and think family members that, that, you know, are with us all the time. I, I think it, it's a personality. I think it depends on the, on the people, you know, like there's different personality tests. You guys have heard me talk about the big five. So, uh, personality tests and, you know, the more sort of the, or the, the less you care about other people's opinions, um, I think the, the, um, the more likely you are to sort of go off on your own. You know, I think that people who are usually considered early adopters uh, um, tend, to, tend to be the ones to, to be the, the cause of change, you know, when it comes to it. But I also think from a status uh, situation, you know, the people that, you know, people look up to, uh, um, that, that, you know, you follow their lead, you're probably more impacted by somebody you look up to. Now, it might be a real person that you know, or it could be somebody that you know through that's famous or that you follow on social media. Um, that you could be sort of like pursuing. I think that it's beneficial to follow people like The Rock or, or um, you know, uh, Chris Hart or Mark Wahlberg. I'm just listening to the guys I follow. Uh, so <laughs> but these are really inspirational guys that have done amazing things that are funny and work hard and have a great attitude about life, you know, and filling your feed up with, with more of that sort of positivity, I think will help sort of combat some of the negativity and then also uh, taking the time yourself to, to um, post encouraging things, you know, about your own life and things that you're working on and also comment on other people's things when they're struggling or when they do something inspirational, you know, give that feedback. I mean, I really do think that social media has the power to be this very, very um, uh, effective tool to help people have better lives. It can make them, you know, educate them, inspire them and make them laugh um, instead of it being sort of this negative thing. You know, I think that a lot of people end up using it as a platform for negativity because they're unhappy or they feel bad about um, about things. And so they'll break people down or they'll post negative things um, um, either be either because they're trying to make themselves feel better. So if you if you knock someone down, then that kind of you you are relatively higher than them um, or you're looking for some some sympathy. So you might be posting things because you want to feel like you're a victim. You know, whenever there's like a, a, a big emergency, like a fire 
or like, you know, uh, some, some, some big emergency people will post about like, oh, this, this crime happened in my town or there was a fire nearby. I'm okay. And it's like that fire was 50 miles away. Like, but they're like, oh, you know, poor me, you know, just catch yourself before you post that stuff. It doesn't, it's not really doing you any good. Um, and then another time I think people, people, sometimes people try to post things that are negative, but they're trying, because they're trying to cause people to try to pay attention and take action because they feel passionate about that. And that, that's okay. But, but, uh, just make sure that what you're posting is, is true. You didn't just read the headline and click share. You actually went through and read the article and did it make sense? And is it a real news source or was there studies to back it up? And you're not just trying to, you're not just out, you know, you have this immediate outrage. And so you hit share before, before you actually did your homework. Um, but I would like to see a shift in the uh, sort of the social media companies to try to like, you know what, we don't want to put, we don't want to put this glossy shine on everything and, and cover up all, you know, all the real stuff. But I do think that, you know, the more we can kind of, we can actually use it for good. And instead of dividing people in this us versus them mentality that we, that we tend to see now is to try to actually like blend it more. So people see the different, the different uh, groups and different opinions and expose people as much as we can to all these different, all these different ways of thinking and approaching the world. And then, but then also put that positive spin on it. That's my rant. <laughs> Good rant. It was one of your longer ones, I must say. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that's it for today. Check out the article. The link is in the description. And um, uh, of course, like share this wherever you guys uh, think uh, where people can find a benefit. You know, think about that, that OODA loop, observe, orient, decide, act. You can sit down and do a, do a real quick five-minute thing with yourself around some small part of your life that you're trying to change. Um, if you're coaches, you can actually use this as a tool. You know, do it on the whiteboard and do it with a client. You know, um, one one thing that jumped in my mind I forgot to mention was was uh, it was just another example of the decide. You know, sometimes you'll say, "I want to get my first pull up," and so instead of just so oh, just start practicing all these all these pull up variations, all these drills. You know, the 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 actual this map and act might actually be change your diet. Right? If you've got a lot of body weight to lose, you may get your pull up a lot faster by dropping a few lbs. Than, than just trying to get stronger. You know, we can do both, you know, but, but, uh, um, but yeah, so just try to think about the, the, that process and, and, and really taking into account each step when you work with people um, or when you work with yourself so that, again, you're not just uh, reacting, um, uh, you know, in a knee-jerk sort of manner. You're actually make, creating a real plan that you can sustain and that you can then correct on the next, next time around the circle. And then what would you want people to learn from this article? Um, just to be more aware of how much we're influenced by the people around us and to maybe understand yourself and what you stand for, you know? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, uh, understanding, understanding yourself and, and realize that you can't, you can't stop it. You are being affected by the people around you. Obviously you can try to limit the certain, certain behaviors in people, but also don't beat yourself up if sometimes if you're having these thoughts and you're, and you're, you're kind of, um, you know, maybe you're not acting the way that you feel like you should or, or whatever, just maybe step back. Like we talked about that 20,000 foot view and say like, why am I thinking this? Like, what, what, is this really what's going on? Or is this, you know, why do I think all of a sudden this is okay? Or, or did I really change it? Do, am I arguing with this person online or whatever because, because they attacked somebody that I like and that I associate with, or is it, you know, or do they have a valid point? You know, always use your, your extra 
level of thinking. Daniel Kahneman, Thinking Fast and Slow, read the book. I've read it like three times. Um, and I still have a lot to learn from it. <laughs> All right, guys. We're done. That's it for today. Thanks a lot. Like, comment, subscribe, share. I think that's all of them. I'm starting to say that now because I sound like a real legit YouTuber. Um, and uh, um, thrive on. Say bye, Gigi. Bye. <laughs>